This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked on Sports Atlanta, where today I remind you to respect the process. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday, getting you set for the weekend and a recap of the Atlanta Hawks draft from last night. Chris Kirshner of The Athletic will join us here uh, in just a few minutes, and we'll get his uh, pro inside reaction to what the Hawks did last night. Of course, Braves, Freddie Freeman. Coming back to Truist Park tonight with the Dodgers. Big series for them. We'll get to that. A couple of betting tips before we get out for uh, the weekend here on this Friday. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And subscribe and like our YouTube channel as well. Okay. Last night was the NBA draft. And what the Hawks did well was, eh, you know, it was what it was. Like I, It's not anything anybody, I don't think anybody should be upset about. The drafting of A.J. Griffin, I thought, was a good move. Uh, this is a young man. We have to remember he's only 18 years old, but he's an excellent shooter, uh, great from three-point range, and he's lengthy. And in reality, it's like you can never have enough shooting in the NBA, right? Like th there is – of all the things you can never have enough of, it's shooting. It's similar to starting pitching and similar to like offensive linemen in the NFL. You can never have enough shooting in the NBA. So getting another shooter – in the Hawks lineup, it, it, let's just assume Kevin Herter stays there or, and Bogey or whoever else is, is still there's a lot of shooters, and it's not a bad thing to get another one. Um, Griffin, like his defense is in his calling card, but he's lengthy and he's long. And that, I guess, is what they're looking for on the defensive end. But again, he's 18 years old. Um, not too many people focus on the defensive part of their game when they're that young, especially when they're playing at a school like Duke where – you know, that's a team that averaged almost 85 points a game uh, during the season, which is incredibly high for college hoops. And and scoring was the thing, and that's what he did really well. But I think I, I like the selection of him. He feels a little schematically, and I'm not saying he's drawing comparisons to this player, but he feels a little schematically to me, kind of like what Clay Thompson does for Steph is hopefully one day what Griffin can do for Trey. When you have that alternate shooter, when you have that that guy from the outside who everybody has to respect, then you're clearly going to change things offensively for your best player, which is again what Clay does a little bit for does a lot of it for Steph. And I, I'm not making an inline comparison. Trust me, I'm not. What I'm just saying is schematically and, and objectively what a shooter of this nature who can hit 45% from three uh, on a routine basis can do for other players on the offense, not just the best player. But Trey is obviously a guy, again, who can make this young man um, better by you know being the excellent passer that he is and create more opportunities for him and everything else. So uh, I like the selection of it. Uh, the Hawks in the second round, they draft Ryan Rollins out of Toledo, uh, and then they sell that pick to uh, the Golden State Warriors for Tyrese Martin of UConn. Uh, more defensive-minded player, big body, um, you know, but again, not really like a high-level score. We'll see. Uh, he can shoot from three as well. I think he shot 43% last year from three um, for, for the UConn Huskies. But, you know, the selling of the pick is interesting because you got nothing in return other than money. 
Um, and that's, you know, that's the difficult part. You didn't make a basketball move. You made a financial move. And that's the part I think that really is questionable um, for the Hawks. Um, if you're trying to get better, flat out cash doesn't make you better. Like salary cap space may, can make you better, but cash itself doesn't make you better. So it's a little bit perplexing from that standpoint. And the other thing I think that has everybody kind of questioning about last night more than anything was the non-move of John Collins, who everybody expected to be moved. And look, uh, John Collins is probably going, but I would argue too, like objectively, is it the worst thing in the world if he doesn't get moved? Like, is it awful to say that he's he's going to be uh, here next year? I don't think it's the worst thing. If they end up trading away Capella and Okongwu, you know, even if they want to trade Okongwu, I know they really like him and he's young and he's cheap, but you know, if they were to do something like that, does that mean that the Hawks are in worse position? No, Collins is a good player. Like, let's be objective about what he is and what he's not. Um, is he a superstar? No. Is he a top 50 player in the league? Probably. Probably in the top 50. Um, whereas Trey is in the top 15. You know, I think that that's fair. So you're not like in awful position just by having. John Collins on your roster. I mean, look, chances are he's getting, he's not going to be here. But uh, when he gets moved and what he gets moved for and how he gets moved, I think is all up in the air. And, and we haven't 100% figured that out yet. But still, you know, this is a uh, situation where at the very beginning, the first step of the offseason, there is more moves to be made. There's more to do. Um, and this is a team that, that, you know, while trying to get better. And as I said, did anything they do last night catapult them into the top three in the East? No. Um, that doesn't mean that they're bad moves. Remember, the expectation level I talked to you guys about all week long has been shot through the roof, and it doesn't need to be. That's why I say remember where we are in the process. Respect the process because they shouldn't be an Eastern Conference Finals-level team. And they they weren't an Eastern Conference-level Finals team. They just beat a bad Knicks team and took advantage of a flawed 76ers team. And, and I don't want to take anything away from them for doing that, but in the big picture process-wise – they're not talented enough to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals every year like Miami is, like, you know, uh, uh, Boston or Milwaukee. Like, they're not – they're just – they're not that caliber of team. Yet, they've got to get there. Fingers crossed they will. All right, coming up next, we will talk to Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. What did he think of the Hawks draft night? And when will John Collins be moved? We'll do that coming up next right here on A to Z, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back in. It's A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget to subscribe and like our YouTube channel as well. Joining us now from The Athletic, covering the Atlanta Hawks, uh, good friend, noted Yankee fan, and I say that because I'm one too, and you can hate us both for that, but we're in first place, so there's that. Chris Kirster <laughs> of The Athletic joins us here on A to Z. Uh, Chris, I hope you got some rest. I know the NBA draft can be a little bit of a slog when you get towards the second round, but it was an interesting night to say the least, and let's start at the top of the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think A.J. Griffin is a bad pick. He's a great three-point shooter. He's lengthy on the perimeter. Um, I don't know if defense is his calling card per se, but this doesn't seem like a bad pick because you can never have enough shooting in the NBA. No, I like the pick a lot. Um, you know, AJ was expected to go much earlier. I actually thought the Knicks would have grabbed him. The Knicks ended up trading that selection at, at 11. But 
um, wasn't expected to be on the board. And that's what uh, soon to be general manager Landry Fields actually said after the draft that, you know, AJ was someone who they had higher um, on their board, didn't expect him to be available. And I think that was evidenced by the Hawks just not really having any conversations with him uh, throughout the pre-draft process. He wasn't expected to be um, at 16. Didn't work out for Atlanta. Uh, didn't really have any conversations with them prior to uh, the draft. The only conversation they had with AJ was at uh, the draft combine um, earlier last month. So the fact that he was available at 16, I think, is a win for the Hawks. Do I think that AJ is going to help them this coming season? No, he's 18 years old. Um, he's he's certainly a project. Like you mentioned, he is a is a very good shooter. Um, you know, in in the ACC games that Duke had this past season, uh, AJ shot 49% from three. Is that going to happen at, in in the NBA? Probably not. But the fact that he's playing with Trey Young does bode well for someone like him who is such a good shooter because as we've seen with Trey, he he's one of the best at getting guys open. And AJ's mm-hmm. going to get a lot of good looks when you know his time is ready. But for the Hawks getting better this coming season, I mean, that's still to be determined because you're you're not you're not one of those teams that is going to be relying on a rookie to make an immediate impact anymore, like like right. they were when you know Trey was a rookie and DeAndre was a rookie, John was a rookie. Like that's just not the case anymore for the Hawks. So. For those fans thinking that you know he's he's going to be the savior this year and he's the the missing piece for an upcoming run to the finals, I would I would hold off on that. Maybe in, in three four years, um, because he is so young. So that's yeah. that's what I would say about this pick. Is yes, I think it's a good pick. Do I think it's going to make the Hawks better this coming season? No. Schematically, and again, I know he hasn't drawn comparisons to this specific player, but he almost feels like, you know, to use the Golden State Warriors as the as the the, the calling card here, like like the Clay Thompson for Trey. Like, I mean, he plays the three and the two, can be the shooting guard, excellent perimeter guy. To this point, solid on defense, not his calling card, but solid on defense, and he just gives them that other option on the wing um, that Steph has had his entire, you know the last six years that have really ultimately made a difference. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with, with uh, AJ is um, I know you said he's, he's solid on defense. I I wouldn't say he's solid on defense. I think he's, he's bad on defense right now. Um, But, but that's long. (laughs) He is. Um, But again, that's to be expected for someone who is 18 years old. Like it's very, very, very rare to have someone who's, who's that age to be, good on that end because it takes a lot to be uh, a good defender i think he has the tools to be a good defender one day again if he ends up playing this coming season do i think he's going to be good defensively no um and that's i think that's something that the hawks still have to address moving forward in this offseason they have to get better defensively um any rookie that they would have gotten probably wouldn't have made them better defensively um, so that's something that they're going to have to address through, through trade and, and free agency. But as far as him being a potential Clay Thompson, I think that depends on how good he is defensively because not only is Clay a really good shooter, one of the best of all time, but he's also good defensively. So if Griffin can, can use that, 
that um, that length and athleticism that he does have. I think it's it's a it's a great pick, but again, we're probably not going to know if he, if he is someone who's going to be really really good for several years down the road now. Yeah, and, and obviously, still he has a lot of growing to do mm-hmm. as well physically, and there's still more um, you know size that he can actually and, and strength that he can actually gain. But speaking of size and strength needed, that brings us to the Hawks' second round pick and Ryan Rollins, another guard. Uh, who was a, a good three-point shooter, can be a scorer as well, um, and whose draft stock, you know, for those who didn't watch a lot of Mac basketball, his draft stock, you know, was uh, w- was on the rise, and there were some who thought he might stay another year and really try to get inside the lottery. Um, but, you know, he's there, and the Hawks take him, 6'4", 180 pounds, but a 6'10 wingspan. So, again, long. Uh, I wouldn't say a great defender, but long enough that it's th- at least the direction they're going with is more length and more shooting. So they actually traded – I mean, they, they sold that pick. They sold pick 44, so Rollins wasn't the pick for uh, the Hawks. So they, they sold pick 44 um, to, to Golden State, Golden for, State. Two, for $2 million, and then they got pick 51 instead. So Rollins wasn't the pick for Atlanta. Um, and I think for the Hawks, um, the – I do think that selling pick 44 is, is is a bad look for the franchise. There's no, there's no sugarcoating that. There's no basketball reason why the Hawks sold pick 44. The only reason why they sold pick 44 is for Tony Ressler's pockets. And if you're a Hawks fan, that should be something that, frankly, pisses you off because um, the point of the draft is to get the most value possible and moving back seven slots that doesn't help you out um that's not to say that the the guy that they got at 51 Tyrese Martin isn't going to be a a good player or rotation player one day but the fact of the matter is the draft the whole point is to get the best value possible and the Hawks move back seven spots and again second round picks rarely pan out but the fact that they did this is just not a good look for the Hawks. They have been preaching that they want to get better, and they make a non-basketball decision to move back seven slots in the draft. I don't understand it. There's no way that uh, the Hawks can sell that to the fan base, and I hope that Hawks fans realize that um, the the reason why they did this trade was only to – put two million dollars in tony's pockets it doesn't help the salary cap it doesn't help the luxury tax it doesn't help them in any way possible on the floor um so if i was a hawks fan i would not be feeling great about what the hawks did in the second round what about john collins who many people think is going to be gone obviously it didn't happen last night so is that because there wasn't an opportunity to move him to move up or there wasn't the right offer? What, what, what is your, what are you hearing? What's the speculation on why Collins is still on the roster today where many people thought he might've been moved last night? Yeah. I mean, it's not that there were no offers, like there, there are definitely offers out there. It's just the fact that, um, you know, Travis Schlenk is not going to move Collins for a, a player or players who don't help the Hawks. You know, again, they, they want to be better this coming season. They want to be better, you know, past this coming season. But, you know, this season in particular, like they, they've made it very clear that they want to be better. 
Um, so the offers that were out there were just not good enough for the Hawks. It doesn't mean that John's not going to be moved. I, I, I'm still expecting him to be moved at some point. Even people close to John expect him to be moved. They don't expect him to be with the Hawks um, by opening night. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like there was a lot of um, noise in the weeks leading up to the draft of whether or not like they would use John to possibly move up to number four with Sacramento or possibly move up to number seven with Portland. Obviously that didn't happen. John's still with the Hawks, but you know, I, I don't expect him to be with the Hawks long-term, you know, free agency is beginning in, I believe a week it's June 24th. Yeah. A week. Um, so it's possible that, you know, once free agency opens, um, you know, they could explore moving him at that point. They could also explore moving him at any time. You know, the the um, the the recent reporting is that the Hawks are, are very interested in San Antonio guard DeJounte Murray. Uh, he mm-hmm. made the all-star yeah. team, was a previous all-defense selection. I think someone who the Hawks are looking at because they realize that they want someone next to Trey Young who can handle the ball, um, who can create for himself and, and others. That's, I feel like, um, what the Hawks are, are looking at because of how, um, you know, that Miami series went in the playoffs where they just hounded Trey and they made him give up the ball. They made him play more off the ball. So getting someone like Murray, who's a really good ball handler, someone who is a, is a really good passer, I do think that that kind of move would help, but it's going to cost quite a bit. Um, you know, I've heard that um, not only would it include John, but it could possibly include another young player, whether that's Kevin Herter, whether that's Nyeka Kongu. Um, if they don't go that route, it would cost multiple picks. But the fact is, like, they have to get better. They know they have to get better. They they do think that Murray would be the, one of those guys who can not only make them better this coming season, but, you know, moving forward. So I think that remains to be seen what happens with John. But um, either way, I am I, not expecting him to be with the Hawks for much longer. You know, real quick here, I, I said this earlier in the week, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, that, you know, making the Eastern Conference Finals was great, but it might have been the worst thing to happen big picture because it accelerated the expectation level for where they should have been. Look, if they make the playoffs that first year with Trey, let's say they beat the Knicks and get bounced in the second round of Philly, and then this year happens what happened, they lose to Miami. No one is really pushing the button saying, you know, they got to get they got to get better. They got to get – I mean, they're still like at the beginning part of the process, but getting to the Eastern Conference Finals – unexpectedly, while it was great and it was a lot of fun, it's changed the the perspective on what this team is and where they should be going because it's not easy to get from sixth in the East at best right now, objectively, as far as their roster is concerned, to the top three without making some major moves. I agree with you. Um, you know, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, like you said, was great. It showed a lot of promise. It showed that, you know, you can win with Trey. Trey won many games in the playoffs for the Hawks. Um, But again, the the ultimate goal is to win a title. Yes, that's nice. Yes, that showed promise. But what we saw this season, I think, is probably the better picture of what this core can accomplish. Um, 
they struggled. They had to claw their way into the playing tournament. I think they're better than that. I think, like you said, maybe they're the sixth best team in the East, ideally seventh best with what their roster currently is. That's not going to win you anything. Um, the East got better this season, and the Hawks, frankly, didn't. Um, and that's that's okay. It's not indicative of what they're going to be in the future. I think um, I think they realized that in order to get to that next level and, and be included in the in the Miamis and the Milwaukee's and those teams in at the top of the conference, like they realize like they have to make a bigger move. I think that's why they are interested in someone like DeJounte Murray because he, he is an all-star and, you know, he could certainly take them to the next level. He can at least help them get to the next level. Is he is he gonna be the the reason why the Hawks win a title if they were to acquire him next season? No, they still need more help than that. Um, They still need better defenders around the, the um, periphery, the guys who are going to, um, you know, be the, the dogs on, on this roster. They need some of those guys who just want to defend and lock people down. But um, I think for the Hawks, this, this off season, I've been saying it all along. It's an important one. Um, you know, Trey is, is one of the top guys in the league. It's time to surround him with, with really good talent. You know, he's all NBA, which means he's a top 15 player in, in people's eyes, and, and he is. And I think for the Hawks, he, he has to have better talent around him. Um, and I think that's what they're going to do. Yes, it Yes, it was kind of um, – boring last night for at the draft they didn't make any like moves that are going to help them this coming season but you know that's really the draft is really like the first night of the off season that doesn't mean that it's over that they're not they're just running it back um there's still a lot of time left to go until next season and again i'm expecting them to be better next season i'm expecting them to make moves um you know just because it didn't happen last night doesn't mean it's not going to happen it is wait and see. He is Chris Kirshner of The Athletic, covering the Atlanta Hawks. Thanks for the time, as always, brother. I appreciate it. Go out and enjoy your weekend now. Thanks a lot. All right. Take your time out. Come back. One thing, and only one thing Braves fans need to know. I'll tell you what that is coming up next here on ADZ on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Wrapping things up here, we got to get to the Braves and Freddie Freeman coming up here in just a moment. But now it's time for Shovels of Wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Eh, you know how we do it. We love to whack people upside the head until they can get things right for something they said or did that was stupid. Uh, you can do so as well on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. And today my shovel goes to University Hospital in Bratislava, Slovakia. Okay, I, I say that because I don't have all the information in the story. But here is the background. A man went to the University Hospital in Bratislava, Slovakia, or an operation on his eye. Um, he needed to get his actual eye removed because of 
They don't really say. But he needed to get his eye removed. So he's having an eye taken out. And uh, he went to the hospital for the procedure. And when he woke up, he couldn't see anything. Why couldn't he see anything? Because doctors at the hospital removed the wrong eye. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. Double time. I mean, this stuff only happens in Europe, by the way. And if you've ever had an operation, and I always thought this was like when I've, when I, I've had multiple surgeries over the last couple of years. I'm just getting old. But um, I always thought it was weird when, you know, the doctor would come in before they give you the anesthesia, right? And he would put a big like, so if I've had two shoulder surgery, put it like a big X on the shoulder, right? And say, this is the shoulder that I'm operating on. And he was, yes or no, yes. And then he asked me to actually write yes, like on it, like even with my left hand, just write Y-E-S. So I have to write on my own arm. So we're all in agreement that this is the shoulder while I'm coherent, or this is the part of the body that's being operated on. And I always chuckled at that. And the reason why I chuckled at that is because I wasn't aware that dumb stuff like this happens elsewhere around the world. It does. So now, oh, I wonder if they took out the bad eye anyway. The guy's running around with no eyes. Can't see anything. So now he's blind and, well, you know, he doesn't know who the doctor is because he can't see the doctor who took out his eye. So there's that. I guess there is a ignorance is bliss. Okay. Speaking of ignorance, uh, I hope Braves fans tonight are not ignorant and do nothing. And I expect them to do this. I expect them to stand up, applaud, and cheer as loud as they can and make it a two or three minute standing ovation. There should absolutely be nothing mixed about the reaction to Freddie Freeman returning to Truist Park in a Dodgers uniform. There should be nothing, again, mixed about it. Don't forget who Freddie Freeman is. Freddie Freeman isn't the guy who won a World Series and then walked out the door for more money after his agent gave an ultimatum to Alex Anthopoulos. That's not who Freddie Freeman is. Freddie Freeman is the guy who, when this organization stunk and was bad through the Freddie Gonzalez years and early on Brian Snitker's tenure and everything else, you know, that was the Freddie Freeman who re-signed here to stay here and play when nobody at the time would have ever blamed him for picking up and leaving. That's the Freddie Freeman that's coming back here tonight. They're the same guy. You're just choosing to focus on the most recent action, not the one that you should be remembering the guy for. Because had he not stayed, you probably don't win the World Series. You probably don't get to four consecutive division titles. You probably don't become relevant again. You might be different than, than terrible, but I don't know if you're this level of, you know, and, and oh, we got Acuna, we got Acuna. Yeah, uh, the Angels have Mike Trout. What have they done with him? Oh, yeah, that's right, nothing. So one player doesn't do it all. Because if one player did it all, Freddie would have made the playoffs a lot sooner. So for, forget that nonsense. You don't win four division titles and a World Series without Freddie Freeman. Don't kid yourselves. There should be nothing but raucous, rowdy, loud, long applause for Freddie Freeman tonight when he takes his first at bat in the top of the first inning. Do it right, Braves fans. 
There is no other answer. If you boo him, you're an idiot. And we'll end on that note. Well, actually, we won't. Two things I want to say in the betting world, okay? Uh, one of them pertains to this game. And I'm just searching around, just looking. You know, I'm somebody who looks for situations and hate me for this all you want. Um, but, yeah. Uh, remember when I, I, I predicted that the Cubs would end the Braves winning streak? Well, here's another one. Freddie Freeman to hit a home run and the Dodgers to win tonight. Pace better than six to one. Just saying. I'm just just throwing it out there. You know, 50 bucks, 61, get you, you know, 250 back. Knock yourself out. Go for it. I'm telling you. Freddie Freeman hit a home run. Dodgers to win the game. It's juicy. And I love it. And I love it. Best bet of the day, though. Mets, Marlins, no run in the first inning. Take it. Take it to the house. It's a winner. And that'll do it for us this week on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Uh, I'll be traveling next week, but you'll see me from remote locations, a.k.a. my parents' house up in New York. But we'll definitely be back with you all next week. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you look at all the shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network, A to Z, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones. Of course, you got to tune in to uh, Locked On Hawks for all the Hawks draft coverage there as well. Our Braves postcast and Locked On Falcons and more. You guys have a great weekend. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya.